Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Join Jessica Smith on The Like a Girl podcast, where she defies odds, shares inspiring stories, and empowers women to embrace their inner leaders. Tune in for a transformative journey. So... I'm talking on the phone with my brother. He's in jail. And I tell him that I have this crazy idea. And he's like, what is it? And I said, well, I think I should take you through the training that they're taking me through to be a director. And he's like, what? How? And I said, well, what I can do is just mail you all of the information. So the scripts, the books, the assignments, and just take you through the same training that they're taking me through. And when you get out, then I will pitch to the owner that I think that we should hire you. And the whole thing will be you're already trained. We don't have to take the time to train and develop you. You can just come in and and start. All the work is done. And I remember it yesterday, clear as day. He was like, That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my life. And I laughed. I'm like, why? He said, you think I'm going to take all the time to do all this work and learn all this stuff and read all these books in hopes that this rich white businessman is going to hire me when you've already told me that Outside of yourself, everyone else has this job, has fancy degrees, and I'm a convicted felon. You you think that's going to happen? And I said, I don't know. But what I do know, and what about this part? Do you have something better to do with your time, sir? He was like, no, I'm not doing that. That's That's just stupid. That's a waste of time. Well, about a week or so went by and I talked to him again and he said, you know what? I've been thinking about what you said. And he said, and I, and I think you're right. I don't have anything better to do. So yeah, let's, let's, let's give it a shot. And if I get out and he doesn't hire me, oh, well, but I'm spending my time reading and learning and educating myself anyway, why not just learn whatever you're learning? So I was so excited that he was open to that. And I just remember, first and foremost, just taking it to God and just 
asking him to just lead the way and and to just help me figure out what I need to say to convince the owner once we get on the other side. Now, this was a good, I don't know, maybe it was like a year before he was even getting out. And we didn't even know if he was going to get out. This was, he was going up for parole. So I think it was a great example of, you know, sometimes we just have to think big and believe big because it really did, even to myself. I had to, you know, go through it in my head a dozen times before it even came out because I thought it was crazy too. But I'm like, but crazier things have happened, at least to me and for me. So we went on this learning journey together. And to this day, one of my favorite books, and I always recommend it to my sales teams, is The Magic of Thinking Big. And this was just part of the learning curriculum for directors at Direct Buy, as well as How to Win Friends and Influence People. And so we would have these assignments and I got these books to my brother and then him and I would have the conversations that the leaders would have with me. So I'm literally going through this training and I'm just taking really good notes and the way they're teaching it to me is the way that I'm teaching it to him. So not only is he learning this, this is actually giving me an opportunity. I don't know this at the time, but fast forward, I would be in a situation where then I was leading this training and training and developing salespeople based on this learning curriculum. So it was actually great practice and even more so because I was doing this remotely. I was doing this through writing letters and then every so often we would have a phone call to follow up. And one, I knew that he was taking it seriously because when we had the conversations or when we wrote in detail, he was able to talk about, you know, what he learned and what it meant. But I remember when he got out and he came to live with me, he had just notebooks and notebooks and papers and of all of this stuff, all of his studies, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't get rid of it. He brought it with him and it was really, it was an amazing. So he gets out, he makes parole and I don't know, I just knew. So I said to myself, okay, Lord, if he gets parole, because first of all, he has a long criminal history back to a juvenile record, right? So it wouldn't have been unbelievable if they denied his parole. But I said to myself, okay, if he makes parole, then I know that this was meant to be. If he makes parole, he's I'm going to be able to get, get him in here. And so I was, I, I was hopeful when... 
he called and said that he made parole, I just knew it. I knew that there was going to be an opportunity there. So I go to Kentucky. I pick him up. We come back to Chicago. And I spent maybe five or six hundred bucks. Got him a haircut. New clothes, dress shirts, ties, slacks, shoes, belts, everything. And I didn't even recognize him. I think probably last time I saw him in a tie was at my dad's funeral. And I just remember his, he, he just had a, 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 he had a, a new swag when he put in on, on that suit, just a completely different look. He, there was a, there was a confidence in him. And I think probably the first time he actually put it on. Now, this was even before I had the conversation. And I even asked myself too, like, okay, I'm going out and doing this. And, but Again, I I just believe, but now it was time to pitch the owner. Like, what the heck am I going to say? What if he says no? Then I have to tell my brother he said no. But again, I just, I, I had to quiet that negative voice in my head. And I had to just believe. And so I asked the owner if I can talk to him in his office. And I said to him, I may have a good person that I want to refer to work here. And I was thinking, what if we had someone who was already trained? So they know all of the scripts inside and out. They sound great. There's no time and training that needs to be spent. They can just come come in and, and get started. And he's like, uh, did you steal another director from a different location? And I laughed and I said, no, no. And he's like, well, how would you find someone already trained and ready to go? And I said, well, um, I train them myself. And he's like, you train them yourself. I don't understand. And I said, well, it's my brother. And he is ready to go. And if we can get him in for an interview, you can talk to him yourself. And you make the call. He's like, well, wait a minute. Which brother is this? Is this this your older brother? And of course, like everybody else, he, he can't keep up. And I told him which brother it was. He's like, as in the one in the Kentucky State Penitentiary? And I'm like, yeah. That one. Uh, So here's the thing. He's not there anymore. He made parole. 
and he's out and ready to go. And he's like, so how is he ready to go? How does he know all of this? And I said, well, I trained him as I was going through my training. I took notes and he read the books and the assignments. He is fully trained like any other director. All I ask is you give him an interview and you decide. And he agreed, but I think it was more of this, all right, humor me. I'll agree to meet with him. I also think that because of my success, he was a little more open to, okay, maybe who I thought makes the best director isn't really what makes the best director. And we talked about these things that, you know, we would have people who would start and then once they were given their first assignment to memorize something, they were gone. And so he noticed that there was something in me that something so simple as that, I was going to get it done. I viewed this as an opportunity. I shared with him that I used to pray when I had to find a way to buy a bag of Pampers. I used to just pray, Lord, if you ever give me the right opportunity, I will take it, I will run with it, and my life will be forever changed. And I said that same prayer over and over and over and over for years. So when this opportunity came about, it was clear to me that God had answered my prayers and that I only had one shot. Whereas all of these other people with their college degrees and all of these other great things on their resume, their attitude was, I don't have to do this shit. This is, this is too much work. I can go anywhere and get a job. It, it really is just a different attitude. And so everything I did, everything I was taught, every, I viewed it as an opportunity to do it and not just do it well, but to be the best at it. And I think that he was probably a little more open to it. But I knew that he was going to see that my brother had a lot of the same gifts that I had. So, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He agrees to meet with him. We interview him, or I should say he interviewed him, and he loved him. He said, 
the first thing he said, I remember, was that he found his Southern accent very charming. And he had more of an accent than I had because he spent more time in Kentucky. I did a lot of back and forth, back and forth, and I guess I never really picked up the Southern twang or or I lost it over the years. But my brother very much so had that, and the owner said, I think that people, for whatever reason, find a Southern accent trusting and charming. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I remember him saying that. So that was, you know, he he got some points for that. And he was impressed. He was impressed in terms of the amount of the, uh, of the assignments that he knew. Um, He certainly tested him on the scripts and he knew him word for word. Um, He would call out chapters of the book and my brother would tell him the title of the chapter and what he learned from it. I mean, it was it was pretty impressive. And, you know, I, I wasn't really surprised because. As I've mentioned, growing up, we had, you know, this dynamic and unfortunately, I think my dad really created it because he used to have us as very young kids. I was maybe in second or third grade and my brother's a couple years older than me, but we would have to read and not just, I'm not talking about children's books. I don't even remember ever having children's books in our house. My dad used to read books like Hemingway and, or the newspaper. And I think that's a lot to do with why I, I never read the newspaper or don't listen to the news to this day. As kids, my dad had us read the newspaper out loud. And my brother and I would take turns while I was always a better reader than him. And so I would literally sit over his shoulder when it was time for him to read and every stutter or every mistake he would make, I would jump in and finish the sentence or say the word as he was trying to sound the word out. And he would get so angry. And my dad would yell at him and say, don't get mad at her because she's smarter than you. She's trying to help you. And so there was always just this um, weird dynamic between us. And I think my dad, in a very unhealthy way, created this competition between us and it was always around you know who was smarter who got better grades who could read better or you know who could problem solve better and I really loved my brother and I loved hanging out with him even though he was you know a big fat bully to me there was really no one else to hang out with. My older sister in the house at the time, she was very much so to herself. And she's now, 
think she's like five years older than me. So she was kind of in her own teenage world. So there was really no one else to play with but this guy. And I think, you know, he made me pay for it because this weird competitive dynamic that we had with each other when we would play, like I said, I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to pay for it. But I bring that up because for me going through this opportunity to teach him something and lead and him be open to it was a big turning point in our relationship. At least I thought. Now, once he got into the role, of course, again, he was a natural. He was good. And it became very competitive between the two of us. Now, I had already been there, so I knew my goal was to be the number one director in the country. That's it. My goal was to buy my first home before the age of 25. So I was more focused on that. I never felt like I was competing with him, but I knew that he was always competing with me. Now, that's work, right? So remember, I'm living a double life here. And my brother would also inherit this double life as he is now living with me and he is now in this toxic relationship that I'm in. Now, I will say that, you know, those moments of, you know, being grabbed by my hair or choked, those were not really happening as much. But when I think back in some weird, sick way, I maybe I would have rather that continued than what actually happened. Because what actually happened is he would meet my boyfriend at the time and they really hit it off. So they hit it off. First and foremost, they had a history, even though both of them were beyond the age of this type of activity at this point. However, they both had an affiliation with the same gang. And there was that connection. They both had drug addictions. Now, with my brother just getting out of jail, he, he, he didn't currently have a drug addiction. And I don't know this for a fact, but I believe that he hadn't experienced a physical addiction such as heroin until he was introduced to my boyfriend at the time. So they would hang out, they would connect, and outside of the work life, he had acquired a heroin addiction. So now I'm not only dealing with and supporting 
the boyfriend's heroin addiction, but now my brother's. And of course, I can't help but to feel responsible because I introduced him to this guy, right? Meanwhile, at Direct Buy, hiring my brother has really opened the door for a lot of people. So at some point over the years, and this is, I'm not exaggerating, at some point over the years, we hired sisters, brothers, nieces, nephews, aunt, brother-in-law, cousins, the boyfriend would end up working in the warehouse as well. He needed a job. I needed him to work. So I convinced the owner to hire him in the warehouse. So there was a lot of opportunities that opened up after he was hired that normally wouldn't have happened. And so this, when I say this is like a family business, it was, it was I mean, like my family business. I would say that my little sister, so she is seven years younger than me and she is probably who I am most proud of. So I had her, now at this time she lived with my older sister, the the twin of the police officer. So her, they were the two little ones, I think maybe two and three when my dad died. So they were living with the other twin. And that was a whole nother mess of a situation in terms of, and and don't get me wrong, my sister did the best that she could do, but that home situation was not the best. So I had my little sister at 12, 13, somewhere around there working under the table in our call center. And she would go on to a long career with the company, actually running our customer service with my best friend from high school. So there was a point in time where my little sister and my little brother, my older brother, my best friend, my we all worked at the company at the same time. It really felt like this was my family business. So I am definitely grateful for that opportunity and to bring the opportunity to the people that I love the most. But back to this situation, it things are not going well for my brother because he would become successful in doing the job. And part of being a successful salesperson is making good money and making even better money that I'm sure he even made on the streets because um, I used to tease him that he was the worst drug dealer because unfortunately with 
a drug addiction, we know how that goes. So he really never had any real money or silly as it sounds, real success in the drug game. But here he was, he had the opportunity to make a lot of money and what would happen is the more money he made, the more drugs he would be on. I can't even remember how many times he would be hired and fired and hired again. It, it, it was a lot of times. My little sister, like I said, she was probably, or she was the most successful outside of myself in the business. And so he would end up losing the job and pretty much on the streets. Now, thank God he did not go back to jail, but he would part ways from the company. And you know what the 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 cool thing about it is that the owner, he never said, I told you so. He never said, I never should have hired him. He knew that the time that he was there, hey, if if he made a lot of money, then he made the company a lot of money. So I was really just, I, I was thankful that the owner saw my vision that despite who he knew my brother was, that he gave him an opportunity. And throughout the years, he wasn't just my boss. He was my friend. He was, or he is my friend. He is a great mentor. The company would get to the point where the two owners at the time, Mark and Mark, would part ways. And I believe that we were the only franchise in the network and probably in the history that ever had one person that ran the entire company. So it was very much so a family business, husband and wife usually. The husband ran the sales end of the business and the wife ran the service end of the business. And so in this case, he bought the other mark out and he became the sole owner of the business running both the customer service end and the sales end of the business. And I watched him do that and it was not an easy task. And he didn't know, but but I was praying for him. I, I, I was praying for the right business partner. I had not had the vision of owning the business yet. And, but I was, I was praying for him because it was hard work. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of Lead Like a Girl. We hope you found today's podcast valuable. If you enjoyed our podcast, 
please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your preferred platform. Your feedback is crucial in helping us continue to provide high-quality content. If you found the content inspiring, we would like to encourage you to share this podcast with your network. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories and leadership insights on Lead Like a Girl. Until next time, lead with passion and purpose.